I'm going to read two opening scriptures, and then I just want to share one thought with you. And the thought I want to share with you is just simply this. Just show up. Just show up. Uh, during COVID, in the early part of COVID, when everything was shut down, especially in Los Angeles, was a very difficult area where we could not gather and mandates were going on. And, you know, it was just at a hyper level than maybe some other areas of the nation. Uh, I had a pastor friend who went home to be with the Lord at that time, and they had a funeral, but you couldn't hold, and I'm ashamed to say that you couldn't hold a funeral in the building. And uh, so we had to have a parking lot funeral for him. And so um, the way it went down, whether it was because of the regulations or being outside, I don't know. But you had to RSVP if you were going to come to the funeral. Then when you came up to the funeral, there were ropes and a table to sign you in. At that time, somebody would usher you to your assigned seat. And at your assigned seat, it said your name. So that's what was going on at that time. So I went there and told them my name and they said they walked me to my chair. And, you know, I'm just like you. I look to the left to see who's sitting next to me, whose name's on the right, who's in front of me. I'm being a little nosy. Who's behind me names. And uh, and so what the funeral started and I noticed all these seats that were empty as the funeral went on and finally ended that had someone's name on it. And I thought to myself, I'm not here to. Uh, understand nor judge why they didn't make it there. But the reality was there was a reserved seat waiting for them with their name on it, but they didn't show up. I wonder where in life there is a reserved seat with your name on it, a pre-ascribed place that God wants you to be within your calling and in his will. But sometimes we don't show up. And that's what I want to talk about today. In Galatians, the fourth chapter in verse number four, it says, when the right time came, God sent his son. Who's, who's God's son? Jesus. Good. I want to make sure I'm at the right kind of church. I don't know. I mean, okay, let, let's try this again. I know it's Friday. Everybody's tired. Come on, but work with me now. And when the right time came, God sent his son. Who's his son? Okay. He, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him uh, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. The next scripture I want to bring out, speaking of Jesus, Jesus let nothing distract him from departing from Jerusalem because the time for him to be lifted up, lifted up means on the cross, Dying on the cross, it now drew near, and he was full of passion to complete his mission there. You and I are so grateful that Jesus showed up to be born. You and I are more grateful that he showed up to die on the cross. He knew that place that he should be. He knew the people that God had sent him to. He knew the plan that God had for his life. And he lived out that plan with passion. I just said four, four, four P's that I want you to take note of. That God always has a people he's assigned you to. Do you know those people? If you don't know who those people are, then you cannot minister to those people. 
then do you know the places that God has called you to? Because there is an environment, a ge geographical territory that God has a place. My place in my home, my place on this job, my place in the church, my place in the social gathering. Whatever it is, there's a place that God has for you. Then there's a plan that God wants you to fulfill within that place. And what God wants you to bring to that place is a lot of passion to the glory of God. So my question to you is, have you ever been guilty of saying or signing up for something, but you didn't show up? I think we all have. Whether it was an appointment, whether it was a meeting, or maybe an RSVP at a wedding or something of that nature, or the funeral that took place. Now, why don't people show up when they say they're going to show up? Well, sometimes emergencies take place and the unexpected take place, but sometimes we just kind of get lazy and sometimes we just kind of get busy and sometimes we don't just put, we don't put value on the person maybe that's inviting us or we don't put value on the place of where we should be. Stay with me, I'm building something here. I just want you to recognize that God wants you to show up in these places. God wants you to show up in these people. God wants you to show up in the plan. And God wants you to show up with passion. What do we call someone who doesn't show up? What do we call someone that? Well, there's a legal term. When you are assigned to show up somewhere, it's called a leave of absence or a leave without cause or a leave without permission. Is there any military veterans in here? Yeah, you know that term. When, when you're assigned to a troop, you're assigned to a call, you're assigned to a duty, you're assigned to a location, and you don't show up, you're absent. And there, there's penalties re related to that. So with that in mind, I want to give you a quote here today. It's from Jeff Olson. It says, showing up is essential. Showing up consistently is powerful. Showing up consistently with positive outlook is even more powerful. The director, Woody Allen, says that 80% of success, I don't know if it's true, I'm just quoting him now. He says 80% of success is just simply showing up. There was a movie, and if I say the movie, everybody will know it. It was a movie about a football player, and he signed up, and he always wanted to be on the Notre Dame football team. And he was five foot six. Does anybody know his name? Say it again. Rudy. Say it again. Rudy. 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 Five foot six of nothing. But he was determined out of all the rejections, all the denials, you'll never be able to play a real game. All you are is a scrimmage player, a role player. He kept showing up. In spite of his limitations, in spite of his disabilities, in spite of his disappointments, the guy kept showing up. And how many of you know he finally played the game? There's another football player. His name is Vince Pempel. And he's known as the oldest rookie. He was a teacher and a bartender. But he showed up for an open practice for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he played Philadelphia Eagles for three years. Why? Because he showed up. He showed up. 
And there's something miraculous and there's something marvelous that can happen in our faith and in our walk with Christ if we'll just have the courage to, to turn away from our insecurities, to turn away from our past, to turn away from our inabilities. Because how many of you know there is an enemy? But too many times we give that enemy too much credit. He ain't as bad as he think he is. He ain't as tough as he thinks he is. Because the Bible says one day we will see him and we will laugh and mock and say, is this the one that tormented me? Man, can't believe I let him get over on me. But it's our self-limitating beliefs. Whether it came from our childhood, wherever it came from, that doesn't believe that I can achieve whatever God wants me to achieve. I have this tagline. It's not going to go too well here, but if you lived in Los Angeles, you would understand. There's a city uh, on the east part of Los Angeles called Montebello. I was born in Montebello. And, and, and before I came to Christ, I had a 1.8 GPA. Does that impress you? That's like a D average. The only A I ever got in, in school, all school, from high school, all the way to high school, was PE. <laughs> I struggled to get C's in my life. So I always say this to my congregation, I'm just a Mexican from Montebello who had a 1.8 GPA before, Jesus, before he met Jesus Christ. And if God can use this kind of guy who was dyslexic, who on the, on the spelling bees when you line up would never make it to the second round, who struggled at, at seven years old to read the Dick and Jane books, and God could use me to do whatever I've done, then I want you to know we need to take those limits off of the God that we serve and believe that he can use us in whatever endeavor that he is calling us to and step up and start showing up to the people and the places and the plan and the passion that God has for us. Let me give you a few points now as I work through this message. Just a few thoughts today. People that show up see opportunities that other people don't see. People that show up see opportunities that other people don't see. In Acts, the first chapter, in verse number 15, it says, In those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names were about 120. I, I love this. It says, the number of names. God numbers names. God is into numbers, and God is into names. God knew exactly how many people were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost? He absolutely knew. Now, how many of you know, uh, a week before the crucifixion, we know the story that the Bible says there were multitudes shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We know that to be true. Multitudes. We don't know. It was a mixed crowd, so we don't know who believed, who rejected, who was paid, whatever it was. But there were multitudes. Multitudes that believed. How many of you know that the Bible says that Jesus, after his resurrection, was seen by more than how many? Bible students again? 500. You guys are doing so great. I'm proud of you. 500. Tell me this question. I've always wanted to know this. I'm not a very smart man. Maybe you're smarter than me. How could there be at least 500 
that saw resurrected Lord, that saw the prince, that saw him on the cross, and now see him alive. And of the 500, there's only 120 that want to show up. What were you doing that day? What was more important than tearing in Jerusalem for this amazing experience that God said would happen? Why were we so busy? Why were you so distracted? Did not that mean something to you? So I want you to recognize they saw something and they wanted that opportunity and, and, they, and they were absolutely willing to show up. How many of you recognize the wise men showed up? The shepherd showed up. And these are people that see opportunities that oftentimes other people don't see. They're driven by what could happen. They're driven by, I don't want to miss out on what will happen. I got to get there. I got to be there. I don't want to miss out and hear that something great happened and, and I wasn't there. People that show up are driven. I don't want to miss out. I'm a young boy, about 15 years old, and I, I delivered uh, the, the paper. Does anybody remember a paper boy? Yeah, I, I was a paper boy for three years, and now I, I wanted a real job. I wanted a real job. And so um, there was a Motel 6 in our area. And, and so I, I wanted a, a real job. So I go over to the Motel 6. He said, deliver the paper by there. And I go to the Motel 6, and I go over there, and I ask for, ask for the manager. And I'd say, hi, I'm, I'm Diego Mesa, and I, I'd like to work here. And uh, they said, oh, we're not hiring. I said, Okay. And I come back the next week and I say, is the manager here? Hi, manager. Uh, this, this is Diego again. Uh, I, I want to work here. He said, Sir, Diego, I'm not, we're not hiring. I said, well, when are you going to hire? He said, uh, someday. I said, come back the next week. Diego, this is Diego. Hi. Uh, I was wondering if you're hiring this week. He said, Diego, I told you I'm not hiring yet. Came back the next week. Came back the next Eventually, I got the job. <laughs> Made all my friends envious because I was the big wig who had a job now working at Motel 6. How did that happen? Because I just showed up. I see an opportunity. You see an opportunity. And you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So you're willing to show up. People that show up are driven. That my life is not optional. My life is a requirement. That place, that assigned place or plan or with a person that God has is not optional it is absolutely required of me. I'm so grateful that Nehemiah showed up at the wall. I'm so grateful that Esther showed up in the throne room. I am so grateful that Moses stood before Pharaoh. I've got to know that place. I've got to know that position. In my life, the only way to be able to do that is to know that I have to live by requirements rather than electives. Let me explain to you. How many of you in school had courses that were elective courses and required courses? Was there a difference between an elective course and a required course? So you couldn't take PE and home ec and all these fun courses. How many of you got to get into the difficult courses? And sometimes in the kingdom of God, all we want to do is take the elective scriptures, the fun scriptures. I just want the elective people. I don't want the ugly people in my life. But in the kingdom of God, you and I have to go sometimes through some required courses of, of being patient and waiting 
and standing and holiness and righteousness and faithfulness. They aren't all miracles and breakthroughs and answers. So people that show up realize that my life isn't always about electives. It really is always about requirements. And so you have to recognize that God has an assigned place for all of us. Uh, when you were a kid and you, let's just say you were sitting somewhere and you got up for a moment uh, to go to the bathroom, uh, to go talk to somebody, and then somebody came back and was sitting in your spot. What would you tell them? That's my spot. That's my spot. So my, my two youngest, my two youngest grandsons, uh, one is Matthias and the other is Thomas. And I don't know if there's a picture of them on the screen there, uh, Matthias and Thomas on this little, little, little sofa thing, this little uh, chair. And what happens is, is at the moment Matthias gets up, Thomas goes and he sits right there. <laughs> he wants to take his place. And Matthias stands over him and he says, you know, that's my spot. I want you to recognize you have a spot. Don't yield that to, to, any, to anything else other than what God has called you to do. That's your spot. That's your spot that you're supposed to do uh, in the kingdom of God. So it's not about I don't feel like it. It's not about I don't want to. It's not about I don't like to. It's about I have to. It's about I got to. It's about I must do. I must father my children. I must be a faithful husband. This isn't optional living. This is required living. I've got to be a good employer. I've got to be a, a, a good employee. I've got to take care of my health. I've got to manage my finances well. I've got to walk in love. But if you and I as Christians are always going to live by, well, I, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I'm not in the mood today. How many of you know we are never ever going to do any of the heavy lifting in the kingdom of God? And God will have to bypass us to maybe do the assignments, the heavy lifting, and give it to someone else. And we'll, you and I will miss out on that reward. How many of you just wake up every day and say, oh, today is my dentist appointment. I can't wait to go to the dentist today. <laughs> do you go to the dentist because you feel like going to the dentist? Do you go to the dentist because you're in the mood to go to the dentist? Do you go to the dentist because you want to go to the dentist? Or do you go to the dentist because you have to go to the dentist? Are there any married people in here? I just seem to want to dwell on this point for some reason. I don't know why. Any married people in here? Well, this December, I've been married 39 years. So I, I've been married a little bit of a long time. Now, I, I always say this, and it's really tough because nobody wants to be honest that are married. Um, and because nobody wants to get in trouble because you have to drive home with this person. <laughs> but how many of you know in marriage not everything is a bed of roses? I don't often feel in love with my wife. I'm not asking you to raise your hand and agree with me. But it's not about a feeling. It's about a decision I've made. And it's not about an elective, it's a requirement. I have to be faithful to my wife, and she must be faithful to me. And the kingdom of God is run by requirements, not always about electives. Here's another great point I want to share with you today. 
is found in John. It says, and in, and in these and in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time uh, into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whosoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well, whatsoever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there and in that condition a long time. He'd been there 38 years. He'd probably been waiting many, many times and many, many years. He said to him, do you want to be made well? And, and the man gets healed. So here's what I need you to know. When you don't feel, when you don't feel like, excuse me, when you feel like giving up, show up. When you feel like giving up, just still show up. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how many times you've been rejected. I don't care how many times you've tried. you got to push back your fears. you got to push back your failures, your anxiety, your hurts, your insecurities. And you just got to continue to show up. This man, we don't know how many times, but I imagine the scriptures are telling us that this man continued, 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 continued after rejection, after people cutting in front of him, after being denial, scooting himself back home in the same condition. But he kept showing up. And when you're at the point of giving up, I want you to push past giving up and still show up. One of my favorite stories is a South Korean lady by the name of Cha Sa Soon. Cha Sa Soon. She's grandmama. Uh, she's uh, in her 70s. And uh, she wanted to get her driver's license. She, uh, she never got her driver's license in her 70s. So she took the driver's test and she failed 969 times. And on her 970th time, she got her driver's license. <laughs> now, most of us that are faith people would have looked at her, Mama Cha Sa Soon. That's her. True story, that's her. Mama, it ain't the will of the Lord. That, that ain't God's will. At least after the hundredth time, Mama. The three hundredth time. Mama, are you crazy? Six hundred times. It cost her nearly $7,000 to get this. You tell me if that, if that woman didn't want to give up. And sometimes things don't happen the first time. Sometimes things don't happen the second time. Sometimes people, things don't happen the seventh time. But I'm going to tell you that God is going to honor the perseverance in your life if you don't have that giving up attitude and you just keep showing up. I think that's what Keith's message was on asking and seeking and knocking. It's just, just keep showing up. Keep showing. And I'm not here to get into the ramifications of, is this doubt if you continue to do it? Is that really faith if you continue? I think God knows our heart. And if you're just there, I just think great things are going to happen. Just keep showing up. And that's what the man at the pool of Bethesda did at that point. When I had, like I shared with you, stage four terminal cancer, um, I went and bought, I was a marathoner uh, up to that point. Um, let me give you some perspective. Uh, uh, three months before I was diagnosed, I ran LA Marathon. And I had run uh, seven marathons preceding that about every three to six months. Just had come out of the year before 2007 running the Boston Marathon, one of the elite marathons that you have to qualify for. But three months later, I'm diagnosed with cancer. 
And uh, before you know it, uh, I can't run. And uh, walking um, is uh, very difficult. Uh, I had kidney cancer. That's uh, where it was taken. My right kidney was, was removed. And it had metastasized, and it was throughout my bones. Uh, not fun. Uh, but but I, I just... Um, I just trusted God. I believe God. There's a whole lifestyle regimen. There was a whole faith regimen. There was, a, there was a lot of things that happened. But what I did do is I went to the shoe store and I bought a brand new pair of running shoes. And I set it right at the right place of when I went into the house from the garage door. And every time I passed that shoe, I talked to that shoe. And I said, one day I'm going to put my foot in you and one day I'm going to run by you. So I used to ride road bikes. That was another thing that I did by then. So I just told my wife, I said, um, I want you to get the camera ready. She said, what are you doing? And, you know, just like a, a good wife, she's, they're watching you all the time during this time when you're, you're sick. You're, you're not, something could happen to you. She said, what are you doing, Diego? Just, just get the camera ready. Just get the camera ready. So, so I, I got all my biking gear on. I put my shoes on. I put my socks on. I put my, my shorts on. I put the singlet on. I put the helmet on. I put the glasses on. I went in the garage. I got the bike out. I sat on the bike leaning against the car, and I said, take the picture. She took the picture, I was exhausted. I took off all the clothes and I went back into the house because I wanted to look at that picture to remind myself that one day I'm gonna ride that bike again. I, I, my body would get drained over the chemo and because of what, my, uh, what I was having to go through, uh, you could imagine. And so um, I, I would force myself never to take a nap during the day because I said sick people and old people take, no offense, uh, take naps. <laughs> So I wouldn't allow myself to take a nap. And, but I'd get very tired and I'd be fighting it. And so uh, I, I would not allow myself to go to bed before 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock was my breaking point. I'd kiss my wife and I said good, good night and I'd go to bed. But I did not want to go to bed before 8 o'clock. Now this doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But again, I'm telling you that when you're going through the toughest time of your life, you're going to have to figure out your arsenal. You're going to have to figure out your war plan. You're going to figure out how, what you're going to do. And so, amazingly, I took the first five weeks off from church because I had the surgery. So I had uh, other people preach for me. And there was supposed to be one more week before I came back. But that speaker canceled on me. And so I said, I'm going to be the guest speaker and I'm going to show up on my sixth week. And by the grace of God, I never missed a preaching opportunity in my church and I preached every week my sons my never had to come and just say guys pastor went through a tough week today so he's not going to preach today but we're going to preach to you today they never had to do it and, and and though I was not as strong as I should be I said I'm going to still go out in the foyer and the doctor said no you can't do that your, your immune system is in compromise you're on chemotherapy your white blood count is very low you're susceptible to catching something I said, no, I'm just going to trust God. I, I really, and then there's a point of walking in wisdom, and I don't want to get, you know, not allow you to understand that. But, but when you've heard from God and you're at peace with it and you know what you need to do, how many of you know you can do things like that? 
Now, I'm not here to tell you to follow my story. You hear from God, but I promise you, every single person that is going through any difficulty in their lives, whether it's a financial difficulty, a marital difficulty, or whether it is a health-related difficulty, if you will spend time to get before the Lord, God will give you an amazing plan of how he's going to bring you through it. I... I a pastor said, you know what? He told me, I, I listened to your Monday uh, message and you said, oh, all this week we're going to be long-winded. So you members get ready. To, uh, I'm going to be offended if any preacher gets up here and be short-winded. So he gave me permission to be very long-winded. I don't know. I'm just going, uh, my notes are very like 38-minute uh, message, but now I'm stretching it now to a 58-minute message or whatever it is. Let me give you, let me move on before I take up more than 58 minutes. <laughs> we all have excuses why we can't show up. We all have excuses why we can't show up. You know, I met a lot of people that have degrees and excuses. Some people have AA degrees and excuses. Some people have BAs and excuses. Some people have master's degree. I met a lot of doctors who have doctorates and uh, excusiology, that's what I call excusiology. <laughs> All the reasons why I can't. But here's a great scripture that really ministers to me. It's found in Luke 14, and it says this. I bought a piece of ground. Oh, let me start off, I'm sorry. Verse 16. Then he said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at the supper time to say to those who are invited, Come. For all these things are now ready. But they all with one accord began, and let's say this one word, they began to make excuses. excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I asked to be excused. See this word ground? I'm going to put there, ground represents pleasures. It represents possessions. And sometimes we can allow... The ground in our life, the pleasures, the luxuries, the possessions, the toys in our lives to be an excuse to not being where God wants us to be, nor not serving God. God is not against your ground. God is against your ground if it stops you from being where God wants you to be. But notice the next one, because here's the second classification that often is an excuse for people why they can't come to church, why they can't get up and pray, why they can't serve, or whatever it is. Be what God wants them to be. It says, I have bought five oxen, and I'm going to test, uh, I am, I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excuse. What does oxen represent? Well, oxen represents his job. And sometimes people use their job as an excuse for not doing what God wants. All of us have to work. All of us need to provide for our family. But also, we need a Sabbath, we need to rest, we need to have a priority of family time, we need to come to church, we need fellowship with one another, I need to be able to get the gift that I make a money with and give it back into the kingdom of God in some form or some fashion in ministry and serving. So I can't let my ground stop me and be an excuse, and I can't let my oxen stop me and be an excuse. And notice the last one, he said... Uh, still another said, I, I married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. 
Well, I guess if it's your honeymoon, you can't come. But afterwards, I guess you can't use that anymore. But a lot of people will use their relationship. My husband won't let me. My wife won't let me. I can't because of this. And I understand the limitations that take place during that period of time. But you can't allow those three dominant things of possessions and pleasures and work and relationships to be an excuse why you can't serve God, follow God, be with the place or the people, the plan and the passion that God has for you. And so there comes a point that I, I have to show up and I, I have to get rid of uh, all my excuses that I have in my life. I'm so grateful that Ruth didn't use the excuse that I'm a widow and I'm a foreign woman and I've never been where I'm going to. She showed up in Boaz's field. Every one of these examples, when people showed up, they got blessed. No matter what obstacle, no matter what odds were against them, they showed up. She showed up. In spite of all the issues in her life, she showed up and God blessed her. Naaman showed up. In spite of his pride, in spite of his arrogance, in spite of his status, he's going to show up and he's going to dip seven times in that muddy river Jordan. He showed up when it didn't make sense and he got blessed. So I want you to recognize when you don't know what to do, just show up. When you did, don't know what to do, just show up. I love this scripture. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, 2 Kings 7. And, and we shall die there. And if we sit there, we shall die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. But they're basically saying, why sit here we and die? Let's go into the land of the foreigners. And if they don't like us, they're going to kill us because we're going to die anyways. But if we go there and God does something, we're probably going to live. So you just show up. Tell somebody you just show up. When you don't know what to do, you just simply show up. Sometimes people die. Sometimes people are going through difficult times. Sometimes people are going through losses in their lives. And, and, and we don't always have the words to say. We, we sometimes feel obligated to say something and then you think, might I say that? During that time of cancer, people come to me and, and I could hear their heart. that They cared for me. But sometimes they'd say the most stupidest things. <laughs> I remember one time God, some guy came up to us and Pastor, you look really bad. You need to go home. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That was a very encouraging word. Bless you, too. <laughs> but, you know, the kind of, they don't know. Sometimes you don't know what to do. At funerals, nobody feels comfortable there. But sometimes where people are hurting and people are broken and people are going through a difficult time, the best thing you could do is just show up. And just being in proximity. And just being present just means a lot. And the next thing you know, whether they say it or not, they'll just look at you and just say, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. And then, you know, as God begins to heal them and they move on, they'll, 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 they'll just say, you know what, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Diego and all that he did. And you're thinking, I just showed, I didn't say nothing to you. 
I didn't, give, I didn't quote you no scripture. I didn't prophesy over you and say, the glory of the Lord is going to resurrect you. New beginnings and new directions is coming your way. I just stood there. Didn't know what to say. Uncomfortable. Crying with you. And sometimes that's all you need to do. When you don't know what to do, just show up. Several years ago, I was um, uh, in New Jersey and uh, I, I was talking to a man. And uh, his last name is Dalriel. And uh, he began to tell me the story of his father, Rick Dalriel. Uh, Rick Dalriel is known as the preacher of 9-11. So when the towers came down in September of 2001, he was a block away from the Trade Center. He's a preacher in that area. He had had a clergy collar, but he never wore it. He felt like he, ha he had it. There was a reason for it. It was still in the plastic. He ran home. He put his unpacked package, put the clergy collar on, and ran to the crash site, ground zero. The moment he got there, the firemen, the policemen say, uh, uh, Father, he's a, he's a regular preacher like us. He said, Father, come on in here. Come on in here. Start praying. He start praying. He start praying. In the next few weeks, he'd rally hundreds of preachers that would be flying in from the local area and all around the country. And he's known as the preacher of 9-11. That, that, that's him. And he, he led the campaign. He didn't know what to do. What do you do in a situation like that? What do you say to people in a situation like that? He just went there and he... he he just loved on people, he just smiled on people. He picked up metal. He just carried bodies. He just showed up when you, when you don't know what to do. Just show up. Just show up. And during that period of time, I'm sitting across from his son, and he's telling me the story, and he says, you know, my, my, dad, got, my dad has cancer now, and he, he got it from all the toxins that were there. He breathed it all in. But he said, I just want you to know, uh, he had cancer, but now he doesn't. God healed him. It was just a great ending to hear. Great things happen when we just show up. I'm so grateful that David showed up on the battlefield. When you show up, show up with something. A lot of people show up, but they don't show up with something. How many of you have ever been uh, invited to a, a family potluck and uh, everybody gets an assigned dish or something to bring? But you always have your crazy cousin that shows up with his 99 kids. <laughs> and they don't bring nothing. And they take all the food home afterwards. <laughs> he showed up, but he didn't show up with nothing. So when you show up, be like David. Have your slingshot in the hip pocket. Never know when I'm going to have to use this thing. He showed up with something. The little boy with the five loaves and the two fish showed up with a lunch. Let's, let's have fun right now. Watch that. I don't know. Pastor, tell, how many people are in this room? Just give me a guess. 800 people. Okay. Let me ask you something. I'm going to ask you because the Bible says how many people were there? Bible scholars? Five. You guys really are great. At least in men. 
children and women more, okay? So how many people are here? 800. How many people were there? Upwards of 5,000, okay? Nobody in the 10,000, 15,000 range has any food. Hmm. 800 people here. How many of you right now, be, just raise your hand. How many of you have some gum? Does anybody have any gum? Wow. Anybody have any Tic Tacs in here? Anybody, anybody have any? Women have that. Any women have any chocolate? Any little candies? <laughs> anybody have like gummy bears? Little goldfish? Raise your, look at that, look at that, look at that, look, look at this is 800 people. There's no possible way that there's 5,000 people and they ain't got no food. I can imagine the disciples coming and saying, okay, Jesus, Jesus is looking for any food. You got any food? No, no, God. You got any food? No. You got any food? No. You got any food? No. Come on. I'm here to tell you, I believe that those people had food. It was just the little boy who was willing to give up his food. Who was willing to give up his food. And so when you show up, show up with your talent, show up with your smile, show up with your story, show up with your heart, show up with your money, show up, show, wherever you show, just show up with your prayers, show up with something to minister to wherever God has you to be at that particular time. If you're going to show up, show up with something. How many of you guys have jobs? Anybody is an employer in here? It's amazing how many people show up to work, but they don't show up with anything. Not in this church, but in other churches, I've heard there are people that are like this. Their day starts at 8 o'clock, but they got to go to all their friends and say, hello, how are you today? Did you have a good weekend? What's going on with the family, the kids? Then they got to go over to the coffee station. Now it's about 8.15 now, and they're getting some coffee over there. Where's the creamer? And they're looking for the creamer right now. And then they got to go get their 64-ounce water jug, and they got to fill that up. <laughs> Then they got to go by and, and, and do a few follow-up conversations with the people they said hello to. And how many of you know about 826, they're sitting behind the desk ready to work? You know what? You will excel. If there's any young people here that are trying to look for a job or work up corporate ladder, here's what I could tell you. You will always stand out if you show up to work on time. Are there, are there any employers here that just want to cheer right now that I just said that right? Just, just show up to work on time. Then when you show up to work on time, show up to work to, on time to work. And I'm telling you, just that, you'll get promoted. You'll get a raise. Somebody will find you. You, you, you will be a blessing. My point is when you show up, show up with something. When you, when you show up, just keep showing up. The Bible says this interesting scripture in John 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken 
away. When you show up, keep on showing up. The Bible indicates that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb twice. She first showed up and was overwhelmed by seeing the stone rolled away. She ran back and told the disciples. At that time, Peter and John come running to the tomb. There's an inner section and conversation with the angel, and then they take away. But Mary stays there. And that's when Jesus appears to her, and the touch me not, for I'm not a ascended to the Father conversation goes on. But I, I'm just grateful to, for the point here that, uh, again, when you show up, just keep showing up. Not for a minute, not for a moment, but until and up till, no matter how long it takes. There's an NFL player by the name of Brett Favre. Is anybody familiar with this football player? He played from 1992 to 2006, 297 games. He showed up and was a starting quarterback. He went that whole run. NBA great A.C. Green. From 1986 to 2001, both these players never took a day off. Never not showed up for a game. He played 1,192 games consistently. He just kept showing up. Then there's this baseball player by the name of Cal Ripken who played 16 years straight, 2,632 games without taking a day off. All of these guys are in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because they kept showing up. I want you to recognize a so-called great Hall of Fame GOAT, greatest of all time player, is not because you had a great play. Isn't that wonderful? So we have a parade for you because you had one great play? Okay, not because you had one great game. Not because you had one great season. But you had a great career. That's what God wants from us. He celebrates our great play. He celebrates our great games. He celebrates our great seasons. But he wants our great career in our life consistently, day in and day out, good, bad, and indifferent. Rain, snowy, sun shining, pocket full of money, no money, marriage being under conflict, helping under, but I'm still going to keep showing up to the glory of God. And I'm going to keep playing the game. That's what God is looking for. When you don't show up, it just doesn't rob, it just doesn't rob you of what God has for you. It robs others of knowing you, meeting you, and ministering to you. Jonah, Jonah, if you don't show up to Nineveh, there are a lot of people that aren't going to be blessed. So Jonah, it's not about you. It's about the people that are hurting and broken and lost that God needs to minister to. So showing up isn't always about you. It's always about that God may have somebody else on his heart. There's a, a, a picture of a, a biking group. It, there's a picture of some guys in a, in a biking group. And uh, I belonged uh, to, uh, I ride with different guys. And uh, on Sunday nights, there's these guys that I ride with and they're completely unsaved. It's only one guy that's a member of my church. The other guys are just, Guys that like to ride. And, uh, you know, as you're dealing with lost people, 
uh, you know what, that they could be a little standoffish, they could be a little critical of you, they could be a little bit uh, introvert, not comfortable around you. But my relationship now is somewhere around five or six years with these guys. And uh, they've never been to my church yet, but they call me their pastor. I've earned the right to speak into their lives. When they're going through a difficult time, they, you know what, they just want to kind of pull back off. To, we're still writing, but they're kind of, I could sense it. They just want to get next to me. Just want to start asking me some questions now. Just want to start talking to me now. Tell me what's going on in their, in their life. And you know, after Sunday preaching, I sometimes don't want to go ride my bike on Sunday night. But sometimes I feel compelled because these are lost people. This is my Nineveh. And every one of us needs to have a Nineveh. Don't get so spiritually holy and righteous that you forget where God has brought you from. And, 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 that, you don't, and that you don't have some form of expression that, that, that is reaching out to those kinds of people. That, that's what, the, that's what the, it, it is all about. And, and Jonah failed to understand that. And my last point is Abraham. My last point is, is that when you show up, when you show up, God will reward you. And Abraham is going to show up on Mount Moriah. Most difficult thing in his life. Your only son, your only begotten son, I want you to take him up there. Probably somewhere in his 20s, maybe even 30. And I want you to kill that boy. And that doesn't make sense because he's the seed of promise. And this old man is going to take his son up Mount Moriah and he is going to kill him with a knife in hand and, and offer him unto the Lord. But you guys know the story. God stops him. And he turns around and he sees a ram in the bush. It's amazing that he didn't see that ram until he lifted that knife. And I believe that as Abraham was climbing that mountain, on the backside was a ram climbing that mountain. And if Abraham turned around and went down that mountain, that ram would have turned around and went down that mountain. But as he stepped forward with, with all the maybe doubt or uncertainty or thoughts racing through his mind or not making sense or trying to figure it out or just simply losing control of not being in control, that ram stepped forward to be his Jehovah Jireh, his provider. And when he showed up, God rewarded him. God rewarded him. I don't know what seat God has called you to. I don't know what people God's called you to. I don't know what plan God's called you to. But I'm going to ask you to show up and keep showing up. Because God needs you to show up. Several years ago when my boys were, were very, very young, we had a member of our church and his son... Uh, worked um, at Staples Center. And so all the games that were played there, whether they were uh, the Laker games or um, the LA Kings game or whatever they were, um, he had tickets for and had access to. And uh, he's asked me and my wife and if, if, with the boys if we like to go to a, a hockey game. Now, I've, I've never been to a hockey game. I, I don't, is there hockey here in Idaho? I don't even know. I'm so There is? Okay, good. Are you good? 
Is it a professional team or kind of a Mickey Mouse team? What is it? <laughs> Pastor, don't ever have that guy back. I don't want him back there. <laughs> so we show up at the game, and again, I don't, I don't know hockey or anything like that. I don't know the, the quarters. I don't know how many players. I, don't, I know the object is to get a puck into the net, but I, I don't know the rules or anything like that. So... Um, we're watching the game, and, and two of my boys are frustrated. They're, they're, they're like this. This is the most boringest thing in my life. I hate it here. I wish I was at home. Let's leave. Let's leave. Let's leave. You ever get any kids like that? Hey, shut up and sit down now. We had the seats right next to the glass next to the goal. You ungrateful. <laughs> but sometimes, how many of you know you got to fake it till you make it? Like, oh, I know how hockey works. Yay! I didn't know what the heck was going on. So, I'm frustrated. But over here, not too far, is um, where the souvenirs are, the merchandise. So I'm fed up with them. I apologize. I'm, I'm fed up with them. I say, go on, here's some money. Go, go buy whatever you want. Just give me a, some peace of mind. So they, they're still within eye distance, so don't think I'm a bad dad. Go over there and for thousands of people and get lost in Boise Stadium, and I'll see you at the snack shop or something. No, it didn't go like that. I could see him. All of a sudden, Stan's son shows up. He greeted us. He ushered us to our seat, but it's, it's now the third quarter, I guess. And he said, this is the last home game of the season. And so what happens on the last home game of the season, they pick numbers from the audience. And if they pick your seat number, you get down to come to center ice, and the player takes off his jersey, and he signs it, and he gives it to the person that uh, picked his, that was in the seat. So he says... Which one of your sons would you like this honor to go to? I said, the one that's still in his seat. <laughs> they usher Nathan away. The other two boys, the ungrateful, <laughs> come back. They're all happy. Suvi, Suvi, Suvi. They got a hat going crazy, pucks in their hands. Uh, penance, Suvi, Suvi, Suvi. They're throwing it in my face. Suvi, 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 Suvi. And they got him over here. Suvi, Where's Nathan? I said, keep watching that jumbotron. In a few moments, you'll see him. There in the chair. It goes off. Uh, at Nathan is ushered to center ice. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a hockey fan. I don't know nothing. But he's in the Hall of Fame now. His name is Luke Robitaille. He's like the, one of the best players on the King. And Nathan is standing right in front of Luke Robitaille. Luke takes off his jersey and, and, and signs it. And the other boy, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. You don't love us. Why did you choose Nathan and not us? I said, because you couldn't stay in your chair. 
and good things happen if you stay to the end of the game and you stay in your chair. You would have thought Nathan was a celebrity because I don't know who Luke Robitaille is. It's afterwards I find out who he is. And all these fans are, are, are because they're ushering us now toward Nathan and ushers are ushering him toward us to meet. And I just see all these all these fans following Nathan and saying, can we get a picture of the jersey? Show us the signature. Oh, they want to touch it and all that. And the, it made the other boys so furious. And Nathan, <laughs> how many of you know our kids are? Something good happens when you show up and you stay in your seat. Jesus knows your seat. And he may not come today. And he may not come tomorrow to visit you. To reward you. To bless you. To answer your prayer. But he knows where you should be. And if you stay in that seat, I'm promising you, Jesus will come your way. And he will bless you. Father, I thank you for the message today.